0: You never know what's gonna happen. Always have some reserves kept in the bank, ready for a rainy day, just in case you need it. Deals operating on a razor thin margin and just waiting for next month's cash flow to come in is not a way you wanna operate this business. If you're a residential real estate agent earning $200,000 a year and you wanna grow your passive income, this show's for you. Learn the secrets other agents use and hear from experts in our field in order to guide you along your journey to investing in assets like apartment communities. So, that you can turn your commissions into cash flow. I'm Randall DeCleared. Let's go, baby. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Agents Building Cash Flow. Glad to have you here. We are excited to wrap up our series about questions you should ask any syndicator prior to making an investment in their deals. So, if you haven't seen or listened to the prior three episodes, there's a ton of questions that you can ask. And we're just going to wrap it up here. should be a short episode so that you have all that information at your fingertips and you can go out and make smart investments with sponsors. Okay. Let's kick it off. Last time we were talking about some of the failures and some of the questions you can ask sponsors about how to drive home, how they're going to handle any issues that may come up. And just kind of leading back into that, a good question you can start with is, tell me about a time when a deal went sideways and what did you do? leave it at that. So it's a great question. It definitely will get to the heart of the sponsor's ability to articulate any issues they've had, what they learned from it and how they're going to address it going forward. Big, big, big question. All right. Another thing you should know is have you or any of your partners been through a full cycle on any property and what was the ROI on that deal? So our question about the returns and just know before I necessarily this best. Meant, there are a, There's a thousand different ways, ways you can... Ways. At I guess the or return a an deal acquisitions can be provided up, meaning there can be a preferred return there can be different R which average to the investors and so and so you, the lead into it is have you ever been full cycle on a deal on a property and what was the return profile maybe is how you want to phrase it and so so the question is what is the preferred return are there really waterfall the splits you if you put a dollar and in, are there how any much hurdles? money you going to get back. So that's and that's even easier way if you're just starting out. Mr. Spot. The preferred return dollar in is how much would money are we getting back easy Classic way shares you could be getting. So the full cycle that means have you acquired preferred a preferred return maybe 10% you, and so this no point, man, if, and then you exit it. That's for full a cycle return. So it is if the so sponsor, it if it's the entire because their first deal again, their team has done more spending way too much time on this experience and track record and their involvement in the deal. But yeah, going full cycle on a deal is helpful to know for sure. Let's see next question. What kind of offering is this? And then you can get technical and say is it a 506b or a 506c? You're typically going to know this going in. If you know the operator and you know the lead sponsor, and you may be in a 506b which just means that it's not a publicly marketed offering. It's not going to be listed anywhere, you can't find The return profile online, and you have to have a substantive relationship with that sponsor, right? You have to talk to them multiple times, know what they're working on. You don't have to necessarily be an accredited investor on that. Whereas on a 506C, that is, it is a public offering where you can actually list it. You can talk about the return profile, and all the investors in that type of offering have to be accredited investors. And so for a definition on accredited, I'll put a link in the show notes here. And knowing the difference in those two and how you become accredited and how they verify who you are, it's good to know, but typically that's going to be pretty straightforward in any of the offering docs or, or the conversations even really with the sponsor. That should not be hard to determine. Who are your biggest investors in this deal and how much? This may be disclosed. It may not be disclosed to you at the very beginning of this. It just depends on the actual deal. But in a capital stack which again, I can link to a video of me talking about what a cap stack is on another episode. But in a capital stack, you may have... like The biggest investor typically is going to be the bank. The bank is bringing the most amount of money to the deal. And then on top of that, you're going to have a number of different tranches of money. It could be the GP's money, general partners, then the limited partners, how much money they're putting in. And there could be breakouts from limited partners. It could be, you know, there's CrowdStreet, right? Could be putting in money into a deal in addition to investors that we have in a deal. They're just different parts of people. This show is sponsored by Ridgeline Investment Group. Ridgeline has a track record of transacting more than fifty-three million in assets throughout Texas. Ridgeline is currently looking to acquire one hundred to two hundred unit Class B multifamily communities between five and twenty million in San Antonio, Temple, Waco, Tyler, and other secondary markets in Texas. To learn more about Ridgeline Investment Group, visit www.ridgelineig.com. All of that said, if it's a small offering, maybe it's a $20 million deal and you're raising, say $7 million for the deal. If there are one or two large investors in the deal, maybe 2 or $3 million check writers, then that will all be disclosed in the cap table. So you can see once everybody's invested in the deal, you know who has invested and how much they've invested. So from the beginning, when you're asking this question, you may not have that answer, right? That's all I'm trying to say in that long explanation of that. So let's see. Another good question. Do you as a sponsor invest any of your money in the deal? And if so, how much, right? So as a general partner, the team is typically putting some money into the deal. It's a fraction of what the limited partners are putting into the deal typically, but we are buying assets that we want to own and be a part of. So yes, we put money into deals. And so you want to know if the general partners are putting money into the deal and how much they're putting in. It should also give you some kind of level up understanding their confidence level in the deal or skin in the game, I guess, in the deal. right? Okay. So something that we always take into account and when I say we, I'm talking about Ridgeline. When we are looking at deals, we always have and leave operating capital in the deal. So the, the question is, what will the operating capital be for the deal? And so just make sure that the sponsor is putting money aside, raising that money up front whenever they're closing on the deal, and keeping some money in reserves on a monthly basis or an annual basis, putting it into a reserves account. You never know what's going to happen. Always want to have some reserves, kept in the bank, ready for a rainy day, just in case you need it. Deals operating on a razor thin margin or no money in the bank and just waiting for the next month's cash flow to come in is not a way you want to operate this business. All right. What do your cash reserves look like in the team? This could be a question for, you know, or if the deal goes sideways and you have to do a capital call to all of us investors and we don't want to put any money into the deal, do you, the guys running the deal, do you guys have any money that you are going to front for this deal? So good to know if the deal, because you obviously don't want to get a foreclosure, you don't want the deal to die or to go away. And so having cash reserves on the sponsorship team is something you want to know they have. We talked about returns a minute ago. So here's another question about return. What is the average annual total return for your project I can expect on my investment? So the easiest way to think about the average annual return is, If you take an investment and let's just say you put some money into a deal, assume you get some distributions over time, maybe let's just call it a five-year hold. And at the end of the deal, after you exit, get your money back and you split the profits, let's say you had a hundred percent return. You would just say five years, a hundred percent divided by five years, you're getting a 20% annual or average annual return. Okay, And that's an area you double your money. That's 100% on top of the return of capital. So you would have doubled your money in five years. So it's an easy way to look at it. Hopefully all these questions have helped shed some light on some things you need to be looking out for whenever you are looking at syndication deals. Thanks for joining me. Look forward to catching you on the next episode. Surprisingly, most of the agents we speak with got into real estate hoping to gain passive income and become work optional. However, only one in five ever start investing. Most are simply too afraid to start. Once you get educated by listening to this show, you'll be able to overcome that fear and become the one in five who are finding financial freedom. Don't miss a single episode. If you want to stay up to date, the best way is to make sure you're subscribed. So if you haven't done that, go ahead and do it now. And we'll catch you on the next episode.